Today's reading is from Joel chapter 2. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and relents from punishing. Then afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves in those days, I will pour out my spirit. This is the word of the Lord, the word of life. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace this morning. If you've ever had the extremely good fortune of being named Joel, and if you've ever had the ambiguous fortune of God calling you to be a pastor, let me tell you something that happens to you. People chide you about your name. Now, when I first started seminary, I guessed that this would be the case because I guessed that people would say, oh, ha-ha, Joel, like the prophet in the Bible. Well, I was half right. It turns out that what people would say when they found out my name and my vocation was, oh, Joel, like Joel Osteen, (laughs) right? (laughs) And, And I think this is telling, right? That the Joel that many Americans are familiar with is the one who wrote your best life now and you can you will eight undeniable qualities of a winner and other books with uplifting titles rather than the Joel who wrote this short book of the Bible this Advent we're learning to watch and listen for where God's promise comes close and lives on this earth. And I think that involves some unlearning, too. Now, last week, I said that Advent should be a time, four weeks of time, when we take all of the assumptions we make about God and leave them at the door. And last week, we looked at assumptions that many people make about God's power and how it comes not actually in external, forceful displays of might, but in minds that open to possibilities and compassion. So this week, let's look at our assumptions about where God enters into our life. Because if you uh, have read Joel Osteen, or actually any number of contemporary Christian authors, then you'll hear this message. What God wants for you most of all is a happy life filled with a supportive family, financial stability and prosperity and good health. And in order for you to not miss out on these blessings that God wants so badly for you, What you've got to do is put your best foot forward 
You've got to summon up a vision in your brain. You've got to have a goal in mind. And God's going to meet you there. God's going to meet you in your striving and in your strength. If you want a bigger house, says Joel Osteen, then just start visualizing a bigger house and start praying about it, and God will meet you in that desire. And according to this vision of Christianity, where God meets us is in our own efforts to harness the power of positive thinking. And if we're finding in our lives that God maybe isn't bestowing these blessings of health and wealth and peace in our families, well, then maybe it's because we're not dreaming big enough, right? Or maybe it's trouble because we're uh, having trouble um, cultivating a positive self-image or seeing ourselves as the kind of winner that God is willing to work with. I want to be clear here. I believe, along with Joel Osteen, that God actually does want blessings for us. God does desire for us to have loving families God desires housing for all people. God despises the existence of poverty. But I think there's a trouble with the picture that's painted in many corners of Christianity today. A picture of a God who enters our story only where we succeed or only where we can manage to be strong. This is where we need to hear from the other Joel. Not me, but my namesake, the prophet. The prophet Joel in today's reading tells the people that God is among them, not when they act like winners, but when they weep and when they mourn. The prophet Joel tells of a God, not who is hovering out there with material blessings for us, just waiting for us to dream big enough so we can grab hold of them. No, the prophet Joel speaks of a God who is, above all other things, gracious and full of mercy, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And I thank God for being that kind of God because I don't know about you, but I can't dream big every day. I can't find it within myself to see myself as a winner all the time. And there's just some challenges that life throws at us that can't be overcome by our thinking alone, no matter how positively we think. When a loved one dies, when you watch someone you care about slip into addiction, when your health and mobility begin to decline, when you struggle with mental illness or depression, when you're working two or even three jobs but can't break the grip of poverty. We need a God who meets us there, who is not afraid to enter our fragile and raw stories and the good news is, is that is exactly the God that the prophet Joel describes. And that's exactly the God who will show up in Jesus on Christmas morning. The prophet Joel tells his people, rend your hearts and not your clothing. Rending is tearing. In Judaism, it's traditional to tear one's clothing after someone dies as a sign of mourning, but Joel says that what God cares about 
is a heart that's torn open, a broken heart. And that's what life will bring to us, to each one of us. At some point, living in this world will break your heart. And I really wish it weren't so. But therein lies the radical nature of the God that the prophet Joel proclaims. Because this God doesn't shy away from grief or woundedness or brokenness in you. God doesn't shy away from your broken heart. In fact, the only thing God wants from you is your broken heart. The only thing that God needs to become present in your life is your broken heart. The only thing God uses to change the world is our hearts broken open. God comes close to those places with grace and mercy. God dwells in those places full of hurt with us. And God uses those places to set the world on a different course. There's a book I'm reading about spiritual discernment, and the author, just like me, is a middle-class white man from America. And he goes to El Salvador, and as he receives hospitality from people who will only eat one meal a day because they are so poor, and as he listens to stories from people who have survived government repression and civil war, his heart breaks. His heart breaks open. And he finds that when he goes back to America, the things that gave him joy before and the big career goals that he'd been working toward, they failed to captivate him like they had before. And he says he's been ruined for life, or at least ruined for the life he had been expecting for himself. And so instead of listening to his dreams of success and glory, he followed his broken heart. And this eventually led him to becoming a Jesuit priest and moving back to El Salvador. God showed up not in his strength or his success. God showed up in his brokenness. And in that rough, hurting place, God pointed to a new possibility. The prophet Joel doesn't stop with the command to rend our hearts and not our clothing. Joel also paints a picture of God's coming promise. Not a promise of slick wealth and perfect families and clean houses, but a promise of God's spirit being poured out upon all flesh, of God leading us through visions and dreams given to the most unlikely agents to the elderly who the world deems too irrelevant, the world is more interested in ignoring naive, to the poor and enslaved who the world is more interested in ignoring or blaming than learning from. The promise of God's spirit being poured forth in these unlikely people and places, that's a promise we can't grasp while clinging to our positive thinking or strength or success. Instead, it's a promise that we're only able to grasp through our hearts torn open. When we're broken open to the world, we are set 
free to listen to God's spirit speaking to us in all the wrong places, or at least all the unexpected ones. When we've been ruined for life, when we've been forced to opt out of the homogenizing and constraining American dream, that is the beginning of God's grace and mercy. As we await God's promise coming close to us in the Christ child, may you all find God coming near to you, not in strength or happiness or security, but may you find God's spirit being poured into your broken heart. Amen.